love this podcast? Head to patreon.com slash DATC Media Company to find out how you can show your support. This podcast is sponsored by FlashCityRecords.com, your go-to destination for a musical journey like no other. Check out their wide selection of vinyl with new arrivals dropping every week. Flash City Records, where the beats never stop and the tunes keep coming. A member of the DATC Media Family. This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock band, Humphreys McGee. Each episode will feature a rotating schedule of insightful show recaps, interviews with members of Team UM, as well as musicians who have been inspired by the band. This is your place for the latest news and happenings in the world of Humphreys McGee, keeping you informed on what's going on or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah J. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey, everybody. It is Sarah J. from Dropped Among This Crowd. Thank you for joining me for this very special edition of Wrapped Around. Um, I'm joined with Adam Scheinberg, the Chief Technology Officer for Umphreys McGee. And this is a whole, like, thing. It's the much obliged podcast co-host, <laughs> Benji Rosenswag. And do I say that right? You're good enough. I'm close enough. Yeah. Well, a Jihimiak. So, I mean, it's okay. It gets butchered. I thought it was Jamaica, like the dis- the, di- the Disco Biscuit song. Jihimiak? <laughs> it's Jihimiak with the hard J. Well, so. you did better with Rosenswag than I did with Jihimiak. So. Okay. We're, <laughs> We're perfect. We're perfect. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. So we had some traffic. We had some technical difficulties. It's the first time I've done this with some guys with me at my Airbnb on a run. So, <laughs> and boy, last night, like I am super excited to talk about last night. Um, let's start with the first set. Well, you guys want to talk a little bit about the special? Let's give the special some love. Like, they are so good. I just, I, I love them. So let's talk about the special for a minute. So the, the first time I saw the special was summer camp two years ago. And I was like, what is this? This is insane. And I was like, I got to see more of these guys. Uh, last night was my third show this year. Tonight was my fourth show this year. I'm like, I. You're I, sold. I sold. I love these guys. <laughs> I think they do a bang up job. Uh, their albums are great. Their live shows are great. I love the energy. I love the groove. Um, I'm in. Just the sound that comes out of them, you know, that's what kind of took me by surprise the first time I had seen them live was like, that's only coming out of three of you, you know? They so, were great. Yeah. I, I confess, I didn't get to see their set. Um, or, yeah, I didn't get to see it, but I did get to hear it. And I did get to see Soundcheck, and they are super talented. Yeah. Um, they got some chops. And um, I, I liked how they worked in a little bit of Tool, a little bit of Metallica. You can see some of their uh, their inspiration there. Did that mosh pit actually happen? I didn't see it. I uh, was up in the thing, and I'm like, I'm kind of glad I moved because I am not the mosh pitting type. So yeah. you have strong elbows for, for Well, I mean, they are kind of pointy, so <laughs> I might sharp, be good. Yeah, I might be all right, though. Maybe I should give it a shot. 
All right, so let's talk about the Umphrey show. And before I forget, we have to talk about Ben Factor. I know on Facebook and everybody was talking about it. So yeah, let's touch on Ben Factor first and what he was using. I mean, we should start by talking about that rig. Yeah. Is that is that his rig or is that the Riviers? Nope, it's his. Okay. Um, or the bands. I'm not sure right now specifically, but uh, he designed it. And uh, it's pretty cool, huh? It's amazing. <laughs> I love the ambient wraparound and the, the lights in the middle. I mean, it's it's intricate. I've never seen anything like it. It is wild. And, and honestly, it, it sort of changes depending on the angle you're looking at it from. Mm -hmm. um, so there are these lights that kind of surround the inside. But when you're looking at it straight on, you don't really get the individual bowl effect. You get this kind of like moving sensation, which I thought was really cool. It's like intoxifying when you're in front of it. You, yeah. know, you just kind of get sucked right in and mesmerized. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. Good to see that, you know, updated and changed. And yeah. I bet he thought it was a lot of fun to get a new toy too, to just geek it, out on that. Yeah. I think the 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 square in the middle that goes in and then goes out, and you're like, wait, like there's just there's a lot going on, but it doesn't seem busy. It seems orchestrated and, and uh, intricate and like well-produced. When you're into a band like Umphreys and you, you get to see multiple shows and you get to see streams and you get to see YouTube videos, I mean, as creative and as much fun as it is to watch any lighting director, ultimately like you learn the tricks, you learn what you're expecting to see. And every once in a while, there's a cool color combo or the timing's right. But when you have a completely new approach to lighting, Right, you, you almost get lost in just watching the lighting and see what's he going to come up with. Right and now, we probably have like I don't know more than a year's worth of uh, learning what kind yeah. of light tricks are coming our way. And not to not to compare or contrast or anything, but like and and I loved Waffle. I thought he was he was amazing. Right, he like he made that feel. But there was it was always this in different in different shades different speeds and different, you know, different colors. But that was the, that was the trick. And, it, and his trick was really timing the lights with the band. Ben, like, there's so many, there, it's like a, it's like a Swiss army knife. Like there's just so much, so much happening. Well, that's what Ben told me was one of the things that kind of pushed him to the forefront when it came time to choose a new lighting director was the fact that he used odd time signatures and that was very appealing to Humphreys. And so for that exact reason, it was like, that's what, what turned them really on to him was like, Oh, okay. You're doing the same thing we are, but with the lighting and it just, I can't get over how well it works. It's just, it's amazing. And like you said, this whole year, all these different venues and all these different places that he's going to get to play with that. It's going to be cool to witness. I mean, from my vantage point, any, competent lighting director is going to add to the experience yeah. but when somebody really does something cool or has tools that you haven't seen before um it it's like next level for the show you know yeah. when when everything gets leveled up like that the music is more enjoyable and the experience is more enjoyable and i'm just uh i'm really happy to see it and i'm excited to see what we get 
Yeah. For sure. For 100%. sure. All right. So let's move on to the, I have all my notes here. It was a long night. Everybody agrees. It was a it long, was, yeah, it was a long night. Not in a bad way. A very good <laughs> not in a bad way. No, no, no. Um, so first set, we had Rory out there and he is a monster. That kid is incredible. And I thought it was interesting that the first set featured no covers. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, he's a fan. Yeah. And he beats the shit out of the drums. Yeah. And um, he approached it with, you know, passion. And I, uh, you know, without being pretentious, like a respect for the music. And one of the things that I want to see out of a drummer that's, that's sitting in with a band that isn't theirs is I want to see them put their style and flair on it. I don't really need somebody to come in and perfectly replicate Chris because we have Chris for that. Um, and so, uh, you know, it is fun to see the same songs performed with a slightly different interpretation. For sure. Right. It's like enjoying your favorite dish with a new spice or maybe hot sauce when you don't usually eat it with hot sauce. That's right. kind of how I've equated the past couple of months with these different people. I think to, and it should be noted, you know, you said he approached it with respect. If you follow him on Facebook over the last couple months, He's like, oh, I'm traveling to this location. Does anybody have a drum set that I can sit? I need to practice today. And he's mentioned practicing for these shows. I don't know what the number is, five or 25, but it's noticeable. It's in my Facebook feed that he's practicing. And, and as a fan, as somebody who's coming to watch a show, I'm really glad to know that he's not, he's not winging it. Right? This, was, this was an effort. He put a lot of time into making sure that this was well executed. And it showed like... Mm -hmm. those are not easy songs to play mm -hmm. so a little uh a little behind the scenes here is obviously the band uses talkback microphones to kind of coordinate things on stage and uh it was interesting to to see him jump right into it too um you know that's necessary they're they're a, a high communication band and they can't do those quick dropouts where it just goes to like keys and, and you know bass or something like that they can't do all that unless there's good uh, communication. Mm -hmm. And um, he was great about, you know, counting the band in and telling them when changes were coming. And I just think that's like, that's the mark of a good professional. Yeah. For sure. For sure. I'm, I'm excited for tonight too. Like it's, yeah, he, he really, he really stepped up. Is Can there any talk about how fast that dude's hair grows every time I see, it's like it's short hair it's medium last night i saw I'm like what what happened where did that come from it's like it's like two years worth of growth in the month i love all this the style with the mustache and also the fans <laughs> blowing his very 80s That's hair bands like i love it i love he was it like he was like uh you know an evil fabio up there. yes <laughs> i have no comment on this particular part <laughs> 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 Listen, I'm not criticizing. If I could do that, I totally would. You would be, you would have like the super long hair. I'm like, I, if I could. Do you watch SpongeBob? There's an episode of SpongeBob that's like a flashback and they show Squidward when he had like super long hair. I'll send you a picture of it because it's going to make you laugh now. Because... I, mean, I used to have that. Luscious locks. No, nobody, but... nobody should ever see that. <laughs> These are photos we'll release. You can smell the photos. <laughs> too funny does anybody have any other first set comments highlights so um any particular songs that stand out to you for me honestly just that whole i mean i love push the pig anyways and junk is definitely a favorite just 
I just all of it was a highlight for me. It was all really good. I was just gonna say, like, again, these are not easy songs to play, yeah. and the fact that he came out with these, like, you know, it's impressive. Yeah. There were some high points for me in '40s. Um, at the end, when they sort of had to make the call, are we gonna do nothing too fancy? Are we gonna do slacker? Um, and to have edged it out because a slightly different tempo from where they were going. And I thought it was just like a perfect way to end that set. Mm-hmm. You know, good power, good, good uh, uh, speed felt right. Can you tell us how much of that was Rory's choice? Like, did he have like ultimate say of what he wanted to play? Do you know what he maybe specifically picked on that set? So I, I don't know a ton, but I think I can probably share that he mentioned that he had learned like a list of about 50 songs. Wow. Um, and then brought that list and said to the band, and you know, this is really speaking to like his character again. He was like, I know you have to manage a lot of different drummers. And like, I don't know what they know. And I don't know what their you know, approach to this is. So here are the 50, you guys pick out which ones make the wow. most sense. And I'll work around what other people want to do which is awesome. I mean, giving them 50 songs, that's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, it's funny. You talk to normal Umphreys fans. Normal Umphreys fans can't name 50 songs, right? I mean, mm-hmm. most, most Umphreys fans that I talk to say, I love this. I love the music. And I couldn't I couldn't name three songs in the set. Listen, honestly, I've been singing Umphreys since 2002, 2003, and I still have to reference like, Okay, this is that. Like, I still have trouble naming the songs during the show, and the fact that he could learn fifty songs yes. again proves to the point that you've been saying yeah. about him practicing just and practice showing up and to this. Just, and... Yeah, just high level of you know professionalism and work ethic, and you know that's why I enjoy their music so much. Yeah, for sure. Oh, we'll get to see more of it tonight because uh, we got another set coming. There you go. For sure. Excited. And we're going to get to some predictions and stuff at the end of the... Go ahead. One thing I should note, um, during... I don't remember what song it was, uh, but I, I kind of went down to the front um, at the beginning of the first set and looked up and over and I saw Chris sitting in uh, the, in the balcony watching and he's just, you know, he's doing this. You can see a big shit-eating grin on his face. And I, I thought about it. And I was like, you know, Kanye West one time said that his biggest regret in life was he was never going to see a Kanye West concert. And I'm like, Chris is getting to watch an Alfred McGee concert. Like, that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. that's a and, really cool point. And just you know, being able to enjoy. And he was just, I mean, he was enjoying it. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know this for a fact, but I would imagine that if Chris was displeased with the result, he wouldn't have been looking so enjoy, enjoy, looking like he was enjoying himself. Um, English escaped me further. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was clearly having a good time. He was clearly enjoying this. And I thought that that was really cool. Um, especially because Rory has said that, you know, he's such a big fan. He was listening to this when he was in high school. Like, like this is, it's very cool as a, like, for a fan to be able to get to that level. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And for us to witness it, it's all just special. And for us to witness yeah, it. And for it's us, just special. For us to see Chris seeing that and yeah. like, Oh, this is a special moment in time. You know, he's Rory's gonna tell his kids about this. Like, this is it's it's really cool. Yeah, it's a cool. It's like this is this wasn't just like a hey, get you know. For this sure, meant a lot cool. of different things yeah. to a lot of people. For sure. So let's get to set two with 
Mike Portnoy. And before we do, Adam, please yes. <laughs> talk about your moment that you have been dreaming about for years. So um, I'm a huge Dream Theater fan. I bought um, my first Dream Theater record in 1992. I probably have listened to it a thousand times all the way through. I they are my most listened to band of 2023 pre the portal announcement um so i was very excited yeah. when i learned about this um when i saw the announcement which i did not know until it was public um i mean after i picked my jaw up off the floor i immediately reached out and i was like i'm definitely coming to chicago on uh, december 29th um, so yeah, I've been looking forward to this for, for quite some time. And then of course, for those who are not plugged into, uh, what's happening with dream theater, obviously Mike left the band in, uh, 2010 and, um, just announced in October ish, um, that he will be rejoining. Hmm. Um, so after 13 years. Uh, he'll be rejoining Dream Theater, and, and that has led to a lot of people interviewing him and a lot of talk about what's going to happen, what's this going to do for Dream Theater, etc. Meanwhile, he's got this Umphreys gig on the books. Uh, so, without making it too much about me, I was through the roof excited last Make night. Make it all about you, because it's your moment, Adam. Have <laughs> your moment, too. So have excited. <laughs> I got to the venue, I popped in, and like almost immediately bam, I'm face to face with Mike and he's like eating. So it was definitely the wrong time to like pummel him. But I did, I was like, Mike, my name's Adam. I do a bunch of tech stuff with the band. I'm a 30 year fan. I'm really excited for tonight. He's got like food in his hands and <laughs> shook my hand. I was like, listen, I'm going to give you a minute. I'll catch up with you later. Um, so I did get to catch up with him. Uh, Right before the end of the first set, uh, I got to take a picture. I got to ask him a couple of questions. That was great. But he was really warming up. So again, it was like, this is not the right time. Um, so, you know, we just were sort of recognizing Chris for being, uh, you know, there at the show and having a great time. Um, I owe Chris big time because post-show, it's just a madhouse backstage. Um, and I'm kind of looking around thinking to myself, this is really not a great like fan opportunity. But Chris saw me across the room and he was like, hey, Adam, come here, come here. He's like, I want to introduce you to Mike, who I have met a few times now. But uh, he he said, listen, I, I think this is probably the biggest Dream Theater fan in, in the venue right now. And Mike was like, thanks so much. And uh, Mike was really excited to talk to Chris about drumming and some of the stuff about the way Chris sets up his kit, you know, post-injury. Uh, or post-surgery, I should say. And um, so I got a, like another 10 minutes of conversation with him and he was super cool and super kind. I got him to sign my uh, poster from the show um, and I just, I thought it was awesome. It was awesome to watch him drum from like 20 feet away. Um, so let me pivot from my experience real quick just to the show because um, Mike is a prog drummer and like, a big and obviously his favorite band pretty publicly is Rush and he's super into the Beatles and he's you know into a lot of bands where 
perfect replication live is the skill that you're looking for. Like you play Rush and I want to hear every fill exactly the way that it was recorded. That's that's the mission, right? Mike is, he's an improv guy at heart. I mean, like he wants to play at his tempo, the fills that he wants, and he knows even his own songs. He's creative. So I was very excited to hear how he was going to play these Humphrey songs. And like, it was different hearing Wizard played by, by Mike. It was different hearing Conduit played by Mike. So, I mean, it was super cool. I, I've been, I've been talking for a while now. So no, 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 this is great. I'm just like eating it up and this is perfect for you to, to offer this insight because you are, you're the biggest dream theater uh, fan in the room right now too. So, I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I'm, I've, I feel confident I've listened to more post Portnoy Dream Theater than Portnoy has listened to post Portnoy. <laughs> so, I, I may have more of hours clocked than he does. Uh, but but all that aside, like he was excited to play with Humphreys and, and post show, you know, I don't I don't want to violate any confidence here, but like he really was sort of beaming, like you guys have really great chops and you like the way that you conduct the music on stage and the way that you guys communicate. And I mean, it was, it's just, he was so happy about the whole experience. And if you saw him, like he smiled most of the way through that set. He was really excited to be playing. He got to play a lot of songs that he loves, a lot of artists that he loves. My guess is that a lot of those songs, he just kind of could have walked up and played with no rehearsal. Right. Yeah. Um, but then he came in and learned four Humphrey songs, including arguably one of the like five most complicated. Yeah, Wizards, which I was not at all surprised to see. If Wizards was not on there, I would have, I probably would have rioted. Like, come on, guys, you had to play Wizards. I didn't expect it. Really? So I'm going to butcher his last name. So please, Michael Palmanero. Palmazano. Palmazano. Guitar game. Guitar game. Yeah. Yeah. So Michael Palmazano did the Humphreys. The, the, the Wizard Burial Ground reaction. Yeah. yeah. And I remember watching that when it came out and he said, if I was going to learn how to play this, I would start, it would take me six months. I'd start at quarter speed and go to half speed. And then the last month I'd play at full speed. And that like recalibrated how I thought about that song. I knew it was a difficult song, but hearing him say that, I was like, oh, this is, this is beyond what I realized, the difficulty. And so I just didn't expect that Mike would play that. Like I just didn't expect that they would expect him to learn that. It's it's a hard song. It's long. There's no there's no. I mean, you just there's so much movement and so much so much going back and forth. Um, I mean, I was as soon as I heard, I was like, oh my god, this is happening, and I was like, I like zoomed in. You know? This is it was special, yeah. you know. Yeah. I, I was not part of the conversations, but I'm led to believe that he chose that song. Um, and yeah. and you know, I can't think of like a better compliment as an artist to have somebody like that sit in and say, "I'll play some of yours," and I've chosen a couple of songs that I really like. Um, again, well, I, I really think that if he had said, "I'll I'll learn one on three songs," that would have been okay. Um, but I think we got, I think we got a good, <laughs> a good payoff. 
Well, and even the covers were a a long time since they had been played. The Beatles cover was, what, only one other time that was played. Abacab had been a little while. So not only did we get these covers with Portnoy, but these were covers that, you know, we don't get super often. It was nice to dust some of them off and get those. So Brendan said on stage uh, something to the the effect of, like, uh, Mike said he likes Pink Floyd. Mike said he likes the Beatles. Um, and I, um, I do think that the conversation was like, Hey, here are artists that we know that you like, what are some songs that you'd like to play? Um, again, I wasn't part of the conversations and I don't really know what they were, but that's my, that's my, uh, takeaway from the conversations I've had about it. Yeah. Um, but that, that's, I mean, it's just so exciting to me that he approached it from let's pick some, some artists that I know, let's pick some songs of yours and the end product. I mean, I, I can't imagine that anybody watches that and doesn't think that Portnoy was a, a great sport and was just a lot of fun to have on stage. Yeah. You know? I think you should also, not you, but it should be noted that like rush and the police are over here in this category of like wild, absurd drummers, right? And then Pink Floyd and the Beatles are over here with like very understated, but doing exactly the right thing for that song. And, you know, Ringo by today's standards wasn't the best drummer. He was just very innovative and did interesting things that nobody had done. And same thing with Dave Mason. He wasn't the greatest drummer. He just, he fit that music so well. And so to see that spectrum you know, last night on stage with that variety. Mm. Driven to Tears is one of my favorite covers that they do. Um, seeing him do that with his fills, there was a lot more um, uh, translation, if you will, of what he did in that song than there was in, in Beatles for Floyd songs, right? He'd stuck to stuck to the show on that. Uh, and just seeing that, that difference, I thought was really cool. Uh, there really is no Peart or Copeland without Star. Um, I'm sure you'd agree. And, um, 100%. and I think there's room in, in every catalog to have, uh, both Floyd and the Beatles all the way up to the police yeah. and Rush. So it, it, listen, it's, it's, it's like, it's like being a fan of, of Humphreys McGee and, and their towns and also being a fan of Bob Dylan and, and Daniel Johnson, like, you know, one wouldn't argue that that one's a better musician than the other. It's different styles and, and performing different functions. But the, the different functions is what I'm pointing out with, you know, Beatles and Floyd and then Rush and, and the police. It's, it's like it's such a massive spectrum. So the end of You Never Give Me Your Money, um, they did something kind of fun. Uh, the song kind of fades out on the LP. And they faded the music and then kept the vocals, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, that was like a sort of pre-game time decision. Like that happened sort of in the moments before uh, the show, which I think is a pretty cool arrangement. Yeah. And I love that they're like making things up, you know, like in right real time yeah. yeah so i got a question for you i if i'm not a gambler if i was a gambler i could tell you what songs i would have picked that porter would have played with them i don't know what songs you guys would have picked originals 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 i think i said this before if i could have picked anything i would have loved to hear him on pageants 
Uh, Remind Me, 1348, Robot World. I, it's not like I had a list or anything. <laughs> but that's so, what I, you know, and I would have just wanted to, right. you know, I mean, but I get it. You got to practice and it's a lot of work. But in a perfect world, that's, I think it would be awesome to hear them on those. I, I think any songs would be fun to hear. But, <laughs> but the ones that jumped to mind for me were Puppet, Wizard, and Bridgeless. Huh. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, so, I was not at all surprised to see Puppet either. Right. Or um, Plunger. Like yeah. those felt like they made yeah, sense. Plunger, Plunger was a bit of a surprise to me, to be honest. Um, not because I, not because he couldn't do it, just because I'm surprised that that's one that jumped at the top. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of a story here. Um, Before you tell the story, yeah, I'll yeah. tell you what my picks were. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, yeah. I, so I, I thought about Plunger. And I was like, it's, I didn't think it was going to happen. Uh, but my like, oh, these are for sure is Miss Tinkles and Moshe's. Oh, okay. Ooh, I, I, thought, yeah. I thought that that's where he was going. Yeah. By the way, I could only pronounce Moshe's because of you. <laughs> I thought it was Moshe's Odyssey for <laughs> 15 plus years. Wow. I was um, like, um, actually, yeah. sorry to be that guy, Benji, yeah. no, but. No, no, no. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought, I thought that that's where, the, I thought that that was the direction that they were going to go. And when they didn't play it, I was like, I'm. Totally satisfied. Like we did, we did, we got really good. We got a really good set. Yeah. So. Yeah. So story. Um, so when they were first brainstorming what the set was going to be, um, I was like, Hey, do you have, I assumed there would be a dream theater cover in there. Uh, for lots of reasons, it didn't make sense to do a dream theater cover. Uh, but in the start, I was like, what what are you thinking for dream theater cover and so uh they said well what what do you think so i gave them a few songs that i thought might make sense and then i kind of lost i lost control and i was like okay i wrote this long email and i'm like here are the songs that i think you could do here are like sections of songs maybe we could come up with like a dream theater medley or something like that <laughs> uh, i really he went all out. He color coded it. He put stickies and <laughs> arrows. Binders. And, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, I I, I, I lobbied. I lobbied for it, but ultimately, um, it started to become clear that whatever they did with Mike was probably going to be like a full set of either relearning or rehearsing, and that everybody was going to have to put a bunch of work into just making that work. Not to mention that they had two Rory sets, Ben sets. Like there, there's a lot to do for this weekend. Yeah. There are no Dream Theater songs. I really mean there are none that don't have enough complexity that you would really have to put some time in right. to learn, or you'd have to really chart them out in a pretty big way because of time signature changes and stuff like that. So, um, so, Chris has got nothing else to do. He should. Well, and this kind of coincides <laughs> with a point that I've consistently said about something I respect about Humphreys is there's a lot of other bands that if they had Mike sitting in, they plainly wouldn't have given a fuck about the time and they would have just covered something anyways because he was there. But Humphreys is very respectful of just music in general, but the artists in the band that they would be covering and themselves they don't want to look like assholes either but they know that it would take a lot of time so they're like you know what we're just not going to do it because we're not going to do it 
properly. So we're not going to do it just to do it. So along this thread, I got to, I got to ask you guys, Ben, Rory, Mike Greenfield, trucks, like these drummers all make sense. There's a circle of influence that, you know, community that, that it's sort of like very makes sense accessible, if that's yeah. the right word. Yeah. Yep. How did we get to Mike Portnoy? No idea. I have no idea either. And when I found you're out leaving, about this, you're leaving them like when and when I found out about this, my my comment about it was good. I'm glad that we found somebody outside of the community, like you're saying. And that's no dis. I mean, all of these shows, and especially Athens, like Dwayne. I can't talk enough about how he annihilated that 1348 in Athens. Oh, like, yeah. It, it was, was just, he's amazing. Mike Greenfield, the Draconian. And the, I mean, everybody, Scotty's Wang. I mean, everybody has been amazing. Um, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we were, talking, we were talking about how we got to Portnoy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Portnoy so, like, outside the. Yeah, the that's store. what I said. I'm glad that we went outside and branched out and used this opportunity that Chris is gone and to bring somebody else in and kind of spice it up in a totally different way well i can i can uh kind of put a cap on both of these conversations at the same time and say um remember that the portnoy appearance was booked prior to his return to dream theater right being mm -hmm. announced and and possibly prior to it even being finalized right um so stepping back that is a part of why there was no dream theater song in the set because there never would have been a Dream Theater song if he was not in Dream Theater. That was so. You mentioned you've probably listened to more Dream Theater post Portnoy than Portnoy has. What do you? Think <laughs> I, I have no idea if that's true, but I, I I'm wouldn't sure be surprised. It is true, we're, especially we're if you making, leave a band, uh, uh, you're not. Yeah. So what do you think the process is going to look like for him to now have to go learn a catalog of music? Thirteen. Movies? What did you say? Right. Thirteen years. I mean, so there are like, albums. Is that? I think it was five albums. A lot, of music. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of music. That's a lot of music. So, um, conscious of the fact that this is not a dream theater, uh, dream theater adjacent. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. So, uh, so I, I do not expect a, a lot of post Portnoy dream theater to appear in dream theater set lists. Interesting. Um, How long was he in the band before he left? Uh, well, the band formed in like '85 ish. Um, they put out their first record in like 89, uh, but their first big record was like 91, 92. Okay. So from 1992, say, say, say 90, roughly 1990 to 2010. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so a solid 20, yeah. 25 years, depending yeah. on how you count it. And now it's been 13. Okay. Um, so he's got more so on this side there are, than the other There side. are a couple of post Portnoy Dream Theater songs that I think are S tier, like right. excellent songs that I would kill to hear him play. Yeah. Um, one of the songs, which is not one of my favorites, but it is worth noting, they won a Grammy for one of their songs, their first Grammy um, for a song like last year. So maybe he'll learn that. Here's what's relevant and I think is interesting to Humphreys fans. Um, when Dream Theater tours with Mike Mangini, their, their drummer up until this fall, um, they played with a click track 
and they played the same set list every night. Hmm. When they toured with Portnoy, they varied the set list almost every night. And Mike wrote the set lists. Hmm. Um, and he has given tons of interviews where he talks about things like, I am the drummer and I control the tempo. I said, <laughs> and, and I don't mean and it. And I don't mean it in a pretentious <laughs> way. I don't. I think you're the conductor, like, though. You're the conductor of the train. That is my job. As yeah. a drummer, yeah. that is my job, right? And so yeah. if you go back and look online, you'll find these things where he's like, where occasionally to screw with his bandmates, he'll slow a song down to half <laughs> oh speed. And then he'll rock it, rock it right through it. So, um, so he gave an interview fairly recently and someone asked him how, how this is all going to work. And I think he gave the diplomatic answer, which is like, there's so much to figure out, right? Like, I don't know, but they have 13 years of being a band without me. So right. I don't know like what the set lists are going to look like. And I don't know what songs they're going to want to play. And I don't know how I'm going to fit into that. Like I'm going to have to find a way to participate without exerting control. Cause it isn't, my band the same way that it was. Um, but he, but I do hope that they let me write the set lists. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I, I think that so, teamwork is going to make that dream work. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dream. The, yeah, yeah. I, I realized okay. the pun after I said it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. All right. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this and I mentioned it in a real briefly, like, I learned about Mike Portnoy from Liquid Tension Experiment. Yep. And I remember hearing that album and thinking, holy shit, like this is like, I felt sophisticated listening to that. You know, I was like, I should wear a fucking bow tie when I listen to this. Like, <laughs> it was like, it was, I remember hearing, so and just evolution of music. Uh, so Government Mule did the, uh, the Deep End albums with all the different bass players and Tony Levin was on that. And then, I was researching Tony Levin music and I found Liquid Tension Experiment. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I'm like, who are these people? And then I found Mike Portnoy. And then I, that's how I found Dream Theater, you know? So it's, it's like this weird. That's a fun little journey. That's a, right? That's, I mean, <laughs> so that's, Liquid that's Tension Experiment. LTE has three albums. Yep. And it also includes the keyboardist and the guitarist from Dream Theater. Oh, okay. So say that again. It includes the keyboardist, Jordan Rudis, and the guitarist, John Petrucci. I knew that and I didn't connect the dots in this conversation. That's interesting. Yeah. So their third album, LTE3. Yeah. Um, Which is like the green and purplish. It's it's fairly recent. Yeah. It came out like in the last three, four years. Yeah. So interestingly enough, Portnoy has worked with his dream theater bandmates in other in other yeah, other fashions. Interesting. And uh Mike's daughter, who was at the show last night, lives with John Petrucci's daughter, who is the guitarist of Dream Theater. Right, so right. there, there's clearly like it's familial family. vibes. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Now, is their community very similar to like how how is their community the Dream Theater fan oh, base? Well, they're like every community. It's a bunch of whiny babies <laughs> who like to fight online about the dumbest <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which reminds me of every community I'm a part of, the fish community, the Upfreeze community, except, Dream Theater community. Except for the Much Obliged. Okay. Except uh, for the Much Obliged. The Much Obliged, obliged community is a special place on the internet where everybody is fucking cool. I say that with love as a whiny bitch myself. <laughs> so. We've all been a whiny bitch at some time about something. 
Um, before we, we got to touch on the late night, of course, um, but I know a lot of people have been posting and asking and tagging me about Jake's guitar last night, and I have not had a chance to answer anybody's questions. So tune in here because this is where you're going to get your answers. So uh, for anybody, it was a 1994 GNL Climax Plus. They don't even make them anymore. And it came from Dave McLaren, who owns GNL Guitars now, from his personal collection. Wow. So wow. basically from, you know, oh, here in the closet. Oh, I think Jake would like this. So wow. rough gauge dipped a very special blade for him with the black light, which shows up so nice in the lights and everything that Factor was doing. Um, so, yeah, I was... I was surprised, first of all, to see that it was the first one that he used out of the gate this weekend. I didn't think that we would see it so soon out of him. I I knew we were going to see it this weekend. That was the plan. Um, but then the fact that he played the whole show with it made me really happy, too. He obviously really likes it. So I'm excited to see more from that. And the other, the orange Comanche that we'll probably see this weekend, too, is new from GNL. So Right. That's for all the people that are <laughs> asking me questions about the guitars, and I just haven't had a chance to respond to all of them. So, yeah. So if anybody else has any questions, I'll answer them now. But it's a little overwhelming last night. I was I'm like, I'll get to it later, guys. I'll get to it later. So yeah. yeah. Let's um let's just dip back one second and talk about the encore. Um, so conduit <laughs> by big bottom, obviously. Uh, what'd you think? I thought it was cool as hell. Uh, I, I mean, I've never seen Mike Portnoy play play bass, before. nor have I. And yeah. so I thought it was like like this, like like seeing Chris Bop is like this is a special moment. This is something cool. I'm not gonna bother taking a shitty picture with my you know with my iPhone because I'm sure there will be better pictures out there from actual photographers. Like uh, I, it was it was it was cool. It was fun for me when not just Umphreys, when any band is clearly having fun on stage, I'm having a good time. Mm -hmm. You know, when they're executing, I can, I can be enjoying it. But when you see that they're having fun, like that, that affects me in a very positive way. And so seeing that was super cool. I think that pretty much nails what I was going to say, which is uh, three bases. Everybody was smiling and laughing, having a good time. And it's infectious. Right. Everybody is like, you know, you're watching a special moment and that's how it felt to me. And I'm sure other people picked up on that too. Yeah. yeah. I picked up on it. And then, <laughs> and then YYZ to end the night, which was like the perfect, perfect stone. Yeah. So funny, funny conversation. So I was talking to Engelman before the second set and I was like, what are we in for? What are we in for? Right. I'm, 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 I'm all over Miss Tinkles and Moshe's and he's like, we're going to get a rush cover. And I'm like, Okay, I'm down with that. So in the middle of Big Bottom, I, I start texting him. I'm like, it's too bad we didn't put money down on this because yeah. we didn't get a rush cover. And, bah, 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 and I'm like, fuck, delete, 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 delete. <laughs> I'm like, okay, rewriting this text message. And <laughs> From my vantage point. Sticking my foot in my mouth right now. <laughs> the moment that they announced that Fortnite was playing with them. The surest bet in the world for me was there's definitely going to be, be a, a rush song. Yeah. Yeah. It was a safe bet. Yeah. 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 For sure. Is there any other night one things we want to add? Talk about highlights? Anything else? 
you you mentioned the whiny bitches. Uh, <laughs> I just want to put it out there. The sound was not bad last night. I'm seeing posts about people complaining about sound. I thought it sounded great. I don't know. I don't great. know what. I don't know what people are complaining about. I thought that some people just like to complain to complain because they have nothing else I, positive to yeah. say. So, so the, this this venue does not have um, speakers that hang from the roof, right? Um, I don't. I, I'm not enough of, a, of an audio expert to know, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if the sound on the top of the balcony is different than the sound on the floor. I would bet that every venue has its hotspots where like you might hear some rattle or some, or, you know, some echo or something like that. But um, I thought it sounded really good. And I hope that that's true for the majority yeah. of people there. Yeah, that's fair. I'll take that. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot more, uh, 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 that's the word I'm looking for. Diplomatic answer. <laughs> it's okay. English is hard uh, for all of us dude, right now. Like it's no, it's, like it's my... a it's a long night. And let's talk about the late night for a little bit. What was I was running the whole show and I was all over the place and and so obviously I had a great time and and you know I'm gonna speak highly of it. But from your standpoint, so I'll tell you. Uh, first of all, you did a great job. Thank it was you. A ton of fun. Thank you. Um, like I mentioned with Liquid Tension Experiment, I felt like I should have been wearing a bow tie. I'm like, this is avant-garde and way more sophisticated than I am. Like, this is this is fucking cool. Um, I what's the trumpet player's name? Willie Waldman. Willie Waldman. Willie Waldman's uh, exactly the type of trumpet player that I enjoy watching, where he makes weird faces. He actually he puts his, the trumpet over here instead of in the front of his mouth. And his like his neck and his jowls pop out. He looks like a frog. It's like you know those uh, fidget toys that you squeeze the and ball the and thing. the things pop out. Like that's what his whole face does that every time. And I'm just like I get mesmerized. Like yeah. I so I like work my way up front. I'm like I enjoy seeing that, um, mm -hmm. and I enjoy listening. But I, I enjoy the spectacle of like you know seeing that. And then he had there was the. Um, Drawing a blank, the drug Kofi's, Kofi and, and he had the yep. he had the two percussionists with him, and yeah. so like seeing them look at each other and interact, and obviously you know seeing seeing Jake sort of orchestrate and and do all that, and I, you know it, the first song, I think they were kind of like feeling each other out and seeing where everybody's comfortable, and then by the time they started the second song, it was like you know you just you saw the hand motions, everybody was on point, and you know jowls were flying and. It was it was it was a lot of fun. It was really cool. The crowd was clearly into it. There was clearly a feeling of um, uh, intimacy, and you know, uh, you know, Jake's looking at people and uh, you know making eye contact, and people are catcalling him, and he's responding to them. And um, uh, Willie was you know talking to people in the crowd, and you know, it was it was very cool. Um, I hope he doesn't see this. What the fuck are you talking about my neck? But that's the spectacle. And I, and I enjoy seeing those kind of like old school, you know, wearing a tie dye shirt with like a shiny shirt on top of it. Like it was, it was fun. He, Willie he was, Waldman is an amazing guy. He, he, he really was, is. It, it was, it was a lot of fun. I had a great time. And, and the crowd was the crowd. Uh, I think felt appreciative. It was a hard ticket to get, you know, unless you were like, on the first day, you got your pre-sale. Uh, so I think that the people who got in 
showed or felt appreciative that they were in, yeah. you know. Um, so, I mean, I had, a, I had a great time. I had to, I had to leave a little early because I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, East Coast time to get on a train mm -hmm. to get to Chicago in time to be here. So I was like, you know, I was doing one of these. It's time and, to go to bed now. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I didn't have my, uh, my chemical uh, enhancements to... <laughs> keep me going keep me like going. like uh like some people in the crowd so I, I i didn't make it through the whole show but um i had a great time it was a great time so i don't know if you guys know but you've heard the song california love sure you've heard the song creep by tlc sure yeah yeah the horns and that is willie waldman oh. yeah that's willie waldman really? yeah california love tupac yeah oh yeah, he's recorded a bunch of music with Snoop Dogg, and he's done, like, a lot of really big, iconic things. Huh. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. And Kofi Baker is Ginger, Ginger Baker's son from Cream, mm -hmm. his only child. So it's very cool to see that kind of reincarnated in a way. And Colin Scott is a local Chicago bassist, and he is incredible. Dude, he was, he, he, dude's got fucking fast and strong fingers. Oh, yeah. He is really, really good. Yeah. And so the core guys, um, so Colin, Jake, Willie, Kofi, and then Jeff, and I can't remember the kid's name. I'm just blanking right now. But they had all played at the Mishawaka show that we did at the end of October. And so it was cool to be able to get them. It's an after party bunch. So to be able to get them to come back together and play again, you know, everybody was really excited to be like, Oh yeah, we get to do this again, like so soon. And so that energy backstage and we're like, yeah, let's do this. So, so I spent some time just paying attention to that kid with the, with the, I say kid respectfully, um, oh, he's definitely a kid. <laughs> he's also professional. So, you know, you see percussionists, drummers, any instrumentalist, when they've got a huge rig, it takes a lot to learn how to use it. But it's, I don't say it's easy to look impressive when you've got Neil Peart's rig or you've got, you know, you got Chris's rig, like mm -hmm. big drum sets. You can do a lot. You know, there's a lot of stuff that you can make sounds with. When you've got a floor tom and a cymbal and two sticks, to make something sound cool, you need to have some chops. And him and the and the hand percussionist, I mean, those guys had really simple shit and were doing it really well. Yeah. It's simple. It's like the conversation about Ringo Starr, right? Right. When, when you've got really simple shit, you better execute it well because if you don't, you don't sound good. You don't look good. The the crowd doesn't appreciate it. Like it's off and those guys were not off they were on it was great it was i mean they 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 did a really good job yeah it was a lot of fun and it's i mean it sold itself it wasn't very hard for me to to get people to buy those tickets yeah, it was it was very very easy to get people in that room and i'm grateful only, for everybody that came the out the problem was that there was 250 capacity and not a 500 person capacity exactly yeah. that was the only issue of the night was right. we didn't have a bigger room to to fill with people but it was a great time and i appreciate everybody who came out so I guess the last thing we have is some night two and three predictions. What are we feeling for the rest of this run? I'm going to leave that to you guys <laughs> since I have a little inside knowledge. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what he's not going to tell you is that uh, they're billing the 31st as bag. And that's Ben Atkins, <laughs> almost goose. And uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see whether or not uh, anybody makes that joke. 
<laughs> but uh, the truth is, I, 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 I know I made my Portnoy predictions in my head in advance, um, but for something like this, I'm, I, I'm a big believer in whatever you want to play, have fun. You're the artist. Enjoy it. Yeah. You know, do what you're going to do. Um, you know, I've, I've, it's actually fun now, now that we're talking about this, um, at summer camp, I remember being at the La special set with my 14 year old Nama, who you met, uh, and seeing Ben side stage watching La special play and like watching mm-hmm. him bop his head. And, and I think I've, I think I've got a picture of it. Um, so knowing that dynamic, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing interaction and fun and, you know, we got some horns tomorrow night and that's, you know, sort of on par with what we're, we can expect for New Year's. And I'm just, I don't care what they play. Have fun. Well, would you like Chris to play when he comes out this weekend? So I, 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 they said that there's going to be a guest appearance. I don't know whether that means he's going to play a, he's going to drum or he's going to sing. Like, I, are we going to get either a Either way, I miss Chris's, but like in Booth if, Love, every time I hear Booth Love now, I'm like, Chris, If I we get a, like a lounge <laughs> opener like we did in Detroit a couple years back, like that would be, that would be cool. You just need to bring a bow tie with you from now on. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. <laughs> I got to learn how to tie one first. Right? You can just get one that clips the and clip it's already on? tied. Yeah, you'll yeah, be great. Yeah, you'll yeah, be yeah, fine. Yeah. Okay. Make a note. Buy Benji right. bow tie. <laughs> we need a we need an Umphreys bow tie. That's right. You know, I'm sure there's Etsy. We'll, we'll look talk after. To, I'll talk to Sam and see what we can make happen. There. Um, but yeah, I, you know, what are my expectations? Uh, my expectations are for them to have fun and get us to have fun, and that's that's all I'm looking for. For sure. I'm confident that we'll get there. I so, still want to dance. Search for my my hope. <laughs> is and remains and i would encourage other people also to really focus on how the individual guest drummers make classical umphrey songs their own yeah and if it's not their own maybe it's their own style like what sounds different what parts do they change what parts do they hit or emphasize differently and you know enjoy that you get to have this like you know, dish prepared by a different chef. Yeah. And it's a special experience to get, you know, years from now, when we look back on this and La Special does what they do and Ben goes on to do what he's doing. And then we look back, man, you know, they were at that Humphreys run. Mm -hmm. And so it's very exciting to be a part of this. That is it's history as it's happening, music history as it's happening. The other thing that I, you know, I think we've sort of touched on, but I, I think is, is a good takeaway is remember that it is work for the band to have to work with a different drummer. Right. Um, don't misunderstand me because I'm not saying that anyone's tired or anybody's not happy about it. And I'm just saying you have to make sure that, um, that the, the skills that you've learned for nonverbal communication with bandmates that you've been playing with for over 20 years instantly disappear when you have somebody else sitting in a chair and suddenly you're like, we need to communicate um, certain changes in the song or when, when we are going to make a instant change, we need them to understand those things. And so it is fun for me because I think when you watch improv, what you want to see is a, a band on the verge of fucking up, but always sticking away. Yep. Right? <laughs> yep. And it's like, wow, how did they know? How did they do that? 
I'm so glad that you said that. Um, I don't know if you know this, but part of my professional career is I do public speaking about nonverbal communication. Okay. And uh, Umphreys is actually part of that story. Um, but I've never considered all the nonverbal communication, all the cues that they that that they use uh, to go into it, and how these different drummers sort of have to learn that. They have to come into the family and learn the language of the family is what has to happen. Yeah. Yeah, So when, when a drummer is about to switch from one song to another, um, are we a hundred percent confident that they know the right tempo to start the next one? And if not, how do you address that on stage? How do you make sure, um, these are problems they have to solve, you know? And my understanding is that Brendan just gives them a look, right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) the Brendan look (laughs) the one that I'm sure his children are very familiar with yeah (laughs) Yeah. Um, they have a few methods (laughs) methods. one one is the Brendan look what is the Brendan look (laughs) somebody needs to make a t-shirt of that look the Brendan look the Brendan look I love it I love it all right so is there anything else that anybody wants to add or I mean for uh, for much obliged uh, the Brendan look and says, when I tell my sponsor, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> very, very, very perfect. All right. Well, I think, I mean, that's everything I have. Yeah. 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 We've been live for almost an hour. So that's really awesome. Cool. Um, thank you both for coming over and venturing across the city on a Saturday, Pleasure. dealing with the traffic and doing this with me. This is a lot of fun and yeah, much obliged drops every Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere you podcast so check that out and adam you're just amazing so just have everybody follow you on social and all things umphreys this guy this guy i will actually tag our our conversation so people don't know who you are right on sounds great on the all things umphreys is going to say driver to tears or (laughs) (laughs) we try to fix typos along the way i love it when i'm like Hey, sorry, yeah. but this didn't go into that in that show. Okay, and thank just you. Just to be clear, I don't, I don't enter that data. Uh, <laughs> Every sure, typo you find, sure. you can send it to me, but it's not. It wasn't me. Sure, Adam. Okay, once we hit the live off, I know. I'm joking. I'm joking. Adam's sixteen-year-old just got thrown under the bus. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, guys, and thank you guys for joining me. And mm-hmm. I will see. Everybody tonight, you're doing tonight, but not tomorrow. Okay. All right. So we will see everybody tonight and tomorrow. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Bye, guys.